Hi there, and welcome to Nurse on the Wall. I'm Simon, also known as Tweezy Speaks, and in this first edition, I'm just going to give you a overall introduction of who I am, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing, and then we'll go in from there. So, who am I? I'm a nurse from the southwest of Bristol in the United Kingdom. Um, I've been qualified since 2011. Um, I've been in healthcare since about 2004, going into, yeah, I think I began in 2004-2005. Always wanted to be in healthcare, did have dreams of being a doctor, thought about it, tried out for it, didn't get very far then thought well I still want to continue with this what else can I do and I was like yeah I want to be a nurse uh, I applied first of all didn't get in uh, they wanted me to go and get some more experience I'll go into that later so carried on working I was actually in working for the banks in home insurance claims was also a claims loss adjuster I've had many jobs and roles previous to being a nurse and um yeah started training in 2008 i qualified in 2011 uh, during that time i've worked in stroke neurosciences dementia acute dementia palliative care rehabilitation uh, general medicine i predominantly do agency work now trying to think of different areas, community, recovery. I've not done theatres. I've not done surgery. Not done chemo, renal. So that there's plenty of areas that I haven't done and there's plenty of areas that I have gone in. I've recently worked um, in the prison uh, did medicines management to begin with. That was part of the pharmacy division within the prison service. I then moved on to the planned care nursing aspects and was in charge of and dealing with bloodborne viruses within the prison service in the southwest Bristol locality. And that was screening and testing people on a daily basis, uh, sending their tests off for testing and then based on the results I'd have a discussion and a conversation with them about either treatment or further input from different medical divisions within the service. And that's a little bit about myself. Now, why am I doing this? Many reasons. I've always wanted to be able to air myself out talk about my experiences I think I've got a lot that I can put across to people share with people um, I'm always happy always have been to have people with me who are either looking to become nurses or are having work experience or have um, decided to begin a new job role within the team and I don't even need to put my hand up people know I'm passionate about nursing if anybody asks me up till now do I enjoy my job I say no I love my job I love being a nurse 
main reason that I love being a nurse is is the interaction. Um, I haven't done A and E either, and the main reason being is, for me, I like to spend a bit more time with my with my patient, and that was one thing that I used to love as a healthcare assistant as well, and especially when I was training, I had more time to get to know my patient, build the rapport, and. I'd go through everything from cleaning that patient to doing their care plan to contacting the family. I could spend a whole day with them when I was a student nurse. Unfortunately, I haven't got that time on a daily basis now when I am working. What I have got is plenty of enthusiasm, bundles of experience and a mountain load of motivation to pass over to people and that doesn't matter to me whether you're training to be a doctor, a nurse or an OT, as long as you're willing to listen and you want to provide some sort of care and support within healthcare, I'm willing to help you and that's why I thought how can I help more people on a regular basis and that's why I came up with this show. Um, as well as this show, I'm going to be talking about clinical aspects of the role and giving my viewpoint as well as giving up-to-date research references and overall information that you can liaise and go to. Another thing was um, I have a close relative who's recently become a nurse and one thing we noticed was that when they were doing their dissertation they were finding that there was a lack of British-based research that they could referred to for their dissertation papers and this was one of the negative impacts that they actually put down that they found a bundle of information from America and we found some also from Asia but we needed information that was relevant to England and it was lacking. I think we found two that was in the last relevant within the last three years so wasn't really I think the one that we did find that was significant was over 10-15 years ago so it wasn't the best at the time and I came up with the idea that if we could create a place where healthcare professionals could have an open discussion, share ideas, share thoughts, share papers, share research then it could open up a place where people can then connect and then retrieve information which they can then you know base their information on or at least get an idea of where they should be looking to find that research information and that was another thing that I wanted to show so yeah that's that's why I want to do it and I do love nursing I wanted to know how again how can I reach many people in a quick amount of time And I thought by doing this show, that would be the best way. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send me a message um, if you've got any questions, any ideas. Or, you know, you just want to have a little idea of going deeper into a subject that I might discuss and carry on forward with. So to begin with, I thought that first of all, I'd go into what's been happening throughout 2020 COVID-19 now I was actually 
and at the beginning of the year I was in America I came left at the end of January came back beginning of February and I'd say halfway through the holiday we were getting information about COVID-19 but it was in Asia it hadn't affected or come to Europe or it um it hadn't come to Italy yet and there was nothing in England at the time but we were getting these uh, this information um you know part of the holiday was a cruise and I can say that at the time I was in Florida as well at the time everybody was hot on hand hygiene and making sure that you washed your hands you used sanitizers they're all really good so I just want to put that out there we came back in February. I had a bit more time off because I'm agency. I'm, I'm not employed permanently anywhere at the moment. So when I did go back, that's when we started to get information about it affecting places in Europe, Italy, France, Germany. And then there was this report of one person getting it in England. And then it slowly started to build from there. Uh, it was March time before I became known of it. And I've dealt with it constantly to a point when wherever I was working, I was dealing with it as a situation. Uh, COVID-19, I feel, is here to last for a bit longer. I think surely going into next year, possibly longer. And it has changed and made some fundamental changes to the way that we, one, interact with people, two, how we carry out assessments and reports, and three, how we now look to analyse and treat our residents or patients on a daily basis. Um, one of those, the first thing that comes to mind, which I'll actually go into more detail, possibly on another show, is uh, GP rounds in dementia, in sorry, not dementia, in just nursing homes, nursing and care homes. Now, they have gone from you having the a GP come in every week and they would come sit down you'd hand over the information and then we would go around and see the patients and now that's changed everything is either done on an iPad or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet it's all done via that you call them and the emphasis is on the amount of information you're giving them the amount of observation records that you've got it, it heavily depends on how you are passing that information on and then um a, another subject that we'll bring on is reporting or, or handing over a patient and that's sbar i'll go into that again at another point so fundamental changes and going forward i can't see that changing because it utilizes uh a lot of technology and we are going forward with technology and also it's time efficient so I can't see it changing
another big change that has come about of COVID-19 is swabs. So to effectively test for COVID-19, you have to have a throat swab and a nasal swab. And this is, you touch the back of the throat where on the top behind the tonsils and then you go up the nostrils about four centimeters deep and you swab for about 10 seconds now I've had to do it several times now and each time if I'm honest it doesn't feel any better or gets any better in my reactions it's, it's not a pleasant thing to have to do to yourself or to others however it does give an effective uh it does allow you to swab the an effective area that would show if you are if you have got a current infection of covid-19 and this is why we have to do it um because i go to multiple places in my role as agency nursing i'm required to test myself it's not a legal re- requirement however the agencies have strongly suggested that you know it gives peace of mind to the third party and also you can you're competent to know that you are going into a situation and you are clear of any infections um i'm going to go into screenings and swabbing at a later stage also um I, that what i'll discuss is also the uh, blood samples to see if you've got the antibodies and that's other class that i'll discuss so I, i've got some views on how they're doing stuff how they could be doing stuff and why they're not doing it that way but that's for another discussion uh the weekly swabs i do them um it's all it's requested via the government website and I asked for a home pack to be sent home I find it more comfortable the first time I had it done I went to it was actually at one of the centers the center was at uh, Bristol Airport so you went into one of their um, it was in the silver car park you drove through I'd already pre-booked it so I had been sent an email which confirmed my booking at a certain time and I also had a barcode when I went there they scanned it I then had to go to different stop points where they gave me information then I went to another stop point they gave me the swab um, I then had to do it in my car and then went to another uh, stop station dropped it off and then I was able to go did that the first time it was quite a warm day as well at the time that I had it done and I was like I can really do this at home and then ever since I've had the home pack delivered to my house and I do it myself at home I send it off and I've usually had my results back within 24 hours and that comes in the form of a text message and also an email and then I send a copy of that to um, compliance. So a very efficient way, um, works in the same way that private companies are doing it, however the main difference is you're not getting a certificate from the government. The private companies they give you a certificate that you can use for like if you were doing multiple fly fly into places um for business then you can use that to show that you have been tested and you've been given a 
negative result back. However, um, it's a major change. We never had to have this done prior to to COVID. So, you know, the only thing that you have to show that you've had done is your inoculations and your vaccinations. Um, it wasn't a case of they were asking if you've had something done every week. Uh, even when you had the flu jab, it wasn't a compulsory thing. The choice was up to you. Um, it was incentivized to say, yes, can you have it done? Because there was a high tendency that towards the winter, the, one of the problems with winter pressures was the staffing because the staff would get colds and coughs and flus. So they would encourage people to have the flu, flu jab because one, it would possibly help you and two, you can tell patients that you've actually had it done and you know that's the one thing about nurses we've usually had the same problems that our patients have had and can relate to them on a level i certainly have and um, again that's another thing that we'll talk about but definitely going forward i think this is going to stay where at least periodically maybe not every week at the moment I I feel it's excessive because even if I haven't worked in a week I still have to have have been tested so I think there's going to be a point where you will be getting tested on a regular basis and then you'll be reporting that to them (coughs) sorry so and this is this is a major change because where it was a case of you didn't have to have it done all the time. Now what you're being told is if you want to work, then you need to be able to show us that you've been you've had this done. And, you know, because it's not a very nice procedure, it's very invasive for one, and it's very uncomfortable too. And, you know, um, it can cause trauma. I spoke to one person who said that they were in Italy on the way back and they'd been tested and there was um, blood trauma caused from where the, the swab had gone too far up the nasal passage. And, you know, is it that that is something. It, I should say, though, you should never be going so far up that you're going to cause trauma or rupture a blood vessel. That that definitely means that you've gone too far. And, you know, you, you, you're basically causing the, um, the swab to be invalid because it's been contaminated. So, yeah. But going on. That's my two things about COVID-19 and the swabs. Um, the other thing that I wrote down here is um, my current nursing role. So, yeah, I um, I do a, a, a range of things um, from working in hospitals. Uh, that's medical wards, going to community, um, seeing people at their homes, providing care, going into nursing homes. And that can range from just doing a shift to being uh, effective in charge of the home for my shift and dealing with anything that comes my way. That could involve uh, GP rounds, CHC meetings, social worker um, reviews, 
if somebody's end of life, then we'll deal with any sort of medications, whether that's given subcutaneously or intravenously. Yeah, I deal with, with everything. In nursing, I've always said that you have to be adaptable because we're continuously changing, evolving, learning new things, and that's the great thing about nursing. I can say that hand on heart not one day has ever been the same and I've got a thousand and more stories that I can't wait to share with you. So one of the things I want to talk about is my agency work. I've been doing agency work since approximately 2013 and I've done very well at doing what I've done. I've travelled the length and breadth of the United Kingdom uh, going all the way down south into Cornwall, Devon, uh, going to Wales, West Wales, North Wales and going up north to Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham. I'll travel to wherever and that's doing a mixture of community nursing homes care homes and hospitals now what why why do i do it it goes back to that question about being adaptable i don't like to have a feeling of complacency and when i do get a feeling of complacency i feel that i've got to step out of my comfort box and go into a new situation to make sure that a, I can still operate as a good nurse and do my work correctly without getting bad habits. And two, to see if the knowledge that I know is up to standard and that I can pass information on to other people. And going into a situation where I'm doing agency work, it allows me to build my communication skills. And a lot of the stuff that I'll be talking about is going to be about communication, engaging with other people, effectively engaging with other people, dealing with difficult conversations, dealing with an angry person. And it's going to be on a multiple of levels. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with it when, you know, you've touched a sore subject or they've touched a sore subject with you? Because we are humans, we certain things will affect us in different ways. It's how you reflect on that information and then come back to the situation. And then, you know, it's processing that and then moving forward. And that's the thing that I do like. I don't ever look at a situation as a failure. I look at it as a position of opportunity where I've presented myself, I've given it 100%. Not everything is going to be successful, but at least you can say that you've given it a go and you've gone there. And again, it's given me that experience that I can then reflect on and give you information back on. I also feel that I have good communication skills from when I was working in the banks and giving insurance advice, selling insurance and taking on information from them to then process their information. I'm now able to 
talk to people, talk to a patient or a relative or a healthcare professional, make them feel comfortable to then put their trust in me and for them to have that feeling that they know instantly that I am competent in what I'm doing and also that they can feel confident in that they're going to have the best treatment and care that I can offer them. And that's something that I pride myself on because one thing that I've heard from people and family members is they thought I was a regular member of staff. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking that's exactly what I wanted you to feel. You don't want to come into a situation where people are worried or agitated because they're not sure that they can trust what you're doing and to instill that trust when you've only been into a in a building for maybe an hour or two hours is it takes a lot of skill it takes a lot of knowledge and experience but it also takes a certain attitude and approach to do it successfully repeatedly and that's something that I'm going to take you through and hopefully I'll be able to get you to do the same thing before i do go into that uh i just wanted to uh tell you a little story about a past experience of mine and i'll add these in periodically as we continue um airing shows um i've called this story perseverance and it's called that because it was actually it talks about me applying to study nursing many years ago I first applied to do nursing when I was 18 years old I didn't really want to go to uni my other friends had already signed up I had actually gone to college I did business studies law computing and I can't actually remember at the moment. <laughs> there was another one that English, English literature. So I did those four and then I carried two across, which was English literature and business studies. I had originally applied to do chemistry, biology, maths and business studies. And at the 11th hour, literally it might have been two weeks before I was going to go to college they said that they were over oversubscribed for those courses that I wanted to do and they had decided that my grades weren't of a sufficient level I had A's B's and a couple C's and I think I had an F in Italian I was no I had a D I had an F in something and um, they said I had to pick something else so I picked that I was I then applied for nursing because um, I've got many nurses and family in health. And I did have a lot of family who are nurses in healthcare, and yeah, I was in. I've been inspired from them all my life. That's another story. But at eighteen, I applied to go to the University of West of England to study nursing and my first choice was adult nursing second choice was children's nursing that was the only two 
And I remember I was so happy that I'd been invited for an interview. And I went up there, my mum dropped me up there, said she'll wait for me. And I remember I had gone out, spent all my money on a new suit. You know, it was the most I could buy. I think I got it from like Burton's or somewhere. And went there and I was in this massive hall, atrium bit. And it was the head of first year of nursing there. There was another lady, I think she was the mental health nurse. And there was another lady who was head of nursing. And they interviewed me for about 45 minutes. And then they were like, Simon, we think you're great, but we don't think your selection's right. And I was like, I don't understand. What, what, what do you mean? They were like, we want you to apply for mental health nursing. And I was like... Oh, really? Why is that? And they were like, well, you're a black male and we're really under underrepresented in that, in mental health. And I was like, but, and I was thinking hard, I was thinking maybe I had put down mental health nursing and I hadn't, and, you know, I was like, I I put adult nursing and children's nursing down. Now, I didn't, I didn't put mental health nursing down, because my mum was in mental health, and I had very, and the, the stories she gave me, and I actually worked as a support worker with people with learning disabilities and mental health, so I was like, no, uh, I didn't tell them that, they knew that, so... That was why my choices was adult nursing and children's nursing. And they were like, no, no, no. Um, We'd think you'd be really good for this. And I was like, no, I think I'd be really good at adult nursing and at a push children's nursing. Actually, at a later stage, I, I, I changed my mind on the children's nursing. And I was like, no, it's definitely adult nursing. And I remember they said, well, we can't offer you a space on adult or children's because we don't think you're appropriate for that but we do think you're appropriate for mental health nursing I was like oh okay I'll I'll let you know and they were like oh you're not gonna accept now I was like no I was shell-shocked at the bit I was like yeah no I'll I'll let you know thank you and I remember I just had a a, a dumbfounded look on my face when I my mum was like, how did it go? Was it good? Have you got in? Were they happy with you? And I was like, they asked me if I could do mental health nursing. And my mum looked at me and she was like, but did you put mental health on? I was like, nah, I never, I, I don't get it. And she's like, don't worry, don't worry. So what else did they say? And I was like, well, they said if I want to do adult nursing then I have to have experience she's like okay that's fine you'll get experience then I was like yeah mind you up to this point I had no experience in healthcare so I was like okay that's fine but she's like so you're not going to uni I was like no she's like well you got to work I was like yeah I got to work and that's when I then went and um, started uh, looked for a job I got a job first for Royal Bank of Scotland then I went to Royal Sun Alliance and I went to some other places. After two years or so of working in the bank, 
I have been trying to get work as a support worker, healthcare assistant, anything that I could do. And I eventually got a bank position, bank is um, work as required and where needed to um, for a company called the Brandon Trust. And the Brandon Trust deals with people who have learning disabilities, um, mental health issues or severe, di- severe disabilities. Um, brilliant charity. They've done a lot for the local areas. I know they're based, um, they've spread out to go down south and they've done a lot of good work over many years, many, many years. And I've helped a lot of people. And I've done, I was doing support work for, for them. And I worked with them for a long time, several years. And I was still working full time in the bank. I think it got to, um, I'd actually progressed actually. I was a team leader working for a legal insurance company and I had my group and I was getting paid really good money but it was in an office and I was sitting down and I was able to know the policy off by heart and I could tell the policy to somebody off by heart and I I knew it from top to bottom and I'd been doing this work as a support worker for I think it was after two years and something clicked in my head when I was sat down at my desk oh I've got my two years experiences working with adults in a caring situation and I looked around and I saw no progression for myself in that office and then I reflected again and I thought I don't see myself in here in five years and then I thought I like the money definitely I like the money but I don't like the atmosphere I don't like the lack of communication I'm always thinking I wish I could speak to this person face to face I could relay information to people so much better and then I was like I have to do my nursing and I remember I got home, went on to UCAS, I applied, got my character references from people from Brandon Trust and I think I went to my GP as well and I went to my uncle who was a doctor. I went to a couple of people who have known me who know what I was interested in and what I wanted to do. Submitted everything and I had to pay the fee as well so did that. And went back to full-time work. Didn't think nothing else of it. And then it came back. It said, yes, they're happy for everything. And I could apply to wherever. And I applied to two universities. I applied to University West of England. And I also applied to Liverpool John Moore's University, I believe it was called. And I got offers from both of them. But... I decided to stay in Bristol. Now, when that came through, I was actually at work at the time and I saw an email come through because it was linked to my business, to my work email. And I saw it come through and I was like, ah, what's this? And when I saw it, I was so happy. I was so happy. And I think it was, it must have been a Monday or a Tuesday when I got that information by the Friday, my mind was made up. I was going to resign. And at that point, 
it was maybe July time and I knew I'd be starting in September. Actually, what happened is they delayed it until January, but they did originally tell me it would be September. And I remember I went and I handed in my resignation. And I always remember the the discussion I had with my manager at the time. That they, He was like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go and do nursing. I'm going to go and do adult nursing. And he laughed. He said, no, seriously, what am I going to go and do? I said, no, seriously, I am going to go. He's like, you're never going to do that. I was like, yeah, I am. I'm going to do it. He's like, nah, you won't finish. It's like, yeah, I will. And he's like, but do you get paid for this? I was like, nah, no, no, actually, no, actually, I don't get paid for this. And he's like, so how are you going to live? I was like, I'll work something out. <laughs> and at this time, I, I think I hadn't started driving yet. Um... I was looking for somewhere to go and live. I was looking to move out of my mum. So I was like, no, I am going to do it. No ifs or buts. I said, this, this ain't for me. He's like, but you're a team leader. You've done really good. We can see you going on to be more stuff, legal, orientated. I was like, I don't. And I've, I've got, I actually don't see that. So he's like, okay, no worries. And I left. And I've not looked back since. And I've persevered. And, you know, I've met many people along the way who have said, you're not going to succeed. And I have. And I've persevered. And each step, I've progressed further. And I tell my children, and I've told them today, never let somebody tell you that you can't do something, that you don't put your mind to it. Because once you put your mind to something, you will succeed. And that's what I want you to know from listening to this show today. So I hope you take something from that. So I found a proverb today, which I'm going to tell you. And it says, learn from the past, live in the present, create your own future. And I think that's fitting. Uh, It's a good end to the start of a good show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Speak to you soon. Stay safe. Stay happy. It's too easy out.